Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. And there we are, people. Congratulations. And welcome to Fight Club. (laughs) Happy Tuesday, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Fight Club for Business, the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. This week, our episode is actually brought to you by the 8020 Show, hosted by Sid Graff. Sid! (laughs) We love you, Sid. We love you, Sid. And the 8020 Show is a podcast, um, and their tagline is that they get bigger results from smaller efforts, and they do less but earn more. So. Really excited like to have Sid as our first sponsor this That's week. That's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> we all like that. I was say, I think doing so. less, earning more. I say yes. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, as you may know, if not, we are a group of self-employed industry experts, and we're joined this week by Lisa Botts. Super excited to have Lisa with us today. So Lisa, welcome to the show. And if you can just give our listeners a brief rundown on yourself and your business, that would be awesome. Sure. My name is Lisa Botts. I have been in pest control since 2009. Started out working for some of the big national firms, um, mostly in commercial work, um, doing a little bit of residential work as I went into the branch management training programs with them. Um, Then I decided in 2017 that I was really kind of done working for the big guys. I was done, first off, treating clients and employees like numbers. Uh, That really bothered me. I wanted to give my clients and my, my, my employees more of a personalized service-based experience. I'm a service person. I'm a giver. And mm-hmm. I wanted my employees and my clients to feel that, that it's a service that I'm providing. It's not just a product. Um, and I felt like the big companies focus way too much, especially if they're publicly traded on the dollar, ma- the dollar, the dollar, the dollar, the almighty dollar. And so I just decided to get out and start my own. I was in a very good space in my life. Um, my husband was making good money. My kids had all graduated from college. I was, you know, it was a good spot. <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, of risk involved. And then a year later, Harvey hit and my husband lost his job from the floods. So yeah, we had to adapt really, really quick. Wow. But here we are four years later and we're doing great. Awesome. It's amazing. Well, we are so glad to hear four years later, things are better and improved and I'm assuming even taking off on the up and up. So um, thank you for sharing your story briefly there, Lisa. We'll kind of dive more into it as we keep going around round robin with the group. Um, But for everyone on the show, my name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband, and I've been working in marketing for about six years. Super excited to say welcome back to Fight Club. Awesome. And we're, we are so not used to being together. This, this is, is like wild. Yeah, maybe the first show we've ever done with four heads. Um, so bear with us, Lisa. Um, my name is Megan Likes. I'm the uh, founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I like to educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also own Likes Accounting Company, a full service accounting firm where you can outsource all of your nasty bookkeeping tasks to me and my team. And I co-own a window cleaning and gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff, in Northern California. And we're really happy to have you. And we're really happy to be together in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yeah, from Atlanta today. I'm Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars, and we play CSRs or customer service 
rock stars or office managers in your home service business. And I'm super excited to see you, Lisa, today and welcome to Fight Club. <laughs> and I'm Martha Woodward. I am co-founder of Quality Driven Software and Employee Performance Software. And I own a maid service in a neighboring state. And I just help people build happier workplaces. Ooh, awesome. Well, I think you two are going to get along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think are. I think so. I love it. I'm excited. Yeah, I think I think the the people culture section might be my favorite part today. <laughs> um, but Lisa, I'm going to handle some marketing with you today. So I just want to really touch on what you were inspired to start your company off of, and that was the service, not necessarily the dollar amounts that were coming in. Um, this is a question I feel like a lot of small business owners do end up asking in the beginning: is how am I going to project my vision and put my marketing out there to make sure that my core values and what I want to have as a company is being very well described across the board and there's no confusion. Um, so how did you kind of go about that in the beginning? And, and it sounds like it really comes from your heart. It's really something you do care about. Um, so in marketing wise, when you did start to bring in new clients, how did they really feel that heart of yours from the beginning? Um, well, first of all, I didn't do a lot of hardcore marketing. I didn't spend a lot of money on marketing. I did a lot of networking. Um, especially a lot of networking on Facebook. I know that time's kind of hokey, but I think that's an advantage that us ladies have over the men because we have moms groups and those moms groups are just amazing source of referrals. And um, 80% of my business now comes from that. And um, I don't really, I've just, I've become the subject matter expert. So when I first started, I joined a whole bunch of these moms groups, neighborhood groups, things like that. And what I would do at night, because I had a lot of time on my hands, <laughs> I would sit on my laptop and I would do keyword searches for things that related to my industry in those groups. And I wouldn't sell myself. I would offer advice. Mm. So I became a subject matter expert in those groups. And people started talking, asking for me. And so it would be, so for example, somebody would say, I've got fleas, I've tried everything. I can't get rid of it. And I'd be like, okay, well, have you tried X, Y, or Z? And offer them something that works that they can buy over the counter and then say, if that doesn't work, please reach out to me and give me a call. I'd love to help you out further. And I own Peacock Pest Prevention, where we kill what's bugging you. It worked. It <laughs> built this reputation and people got to know my name and then they started referring me. So it's not about selling yourself. It's about building your reputation. It's about offering something of value. Absolutely. So I so love good. that. I've, I, a lot of, there's so much missed opportunity in these Facebook groups, really. I mean, we were I'm talking about it last night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the opportunity to be able to go into these groups. And like you said, especially as women in business, you know, there's mom groups out there that you can join. There's, um, you know, service specific areas that you can join. So like for one, I know I'm a part of, it's like a South Florida based one. Um, and you can even get ones as small as your neighborhood as well. And becoming that expert, right, puts you into a position of advising and a position of potential business, as long as you go about it really similar to how Lisa has. It's not pushing the product. It's pushing the education. And that's really what those groups are looking for is the education. And then from there, if, if needed, and if they need to take that next step into purchasing, then you have that ability, like Lisa said, to say, you know, this is peacock pest prevention and this is what we do. We are able to take that next step for you. We kill what's bugging you. I yes. love that tagline. <laughs> the best tagline. <laughs> love that. It is. 
So since we're talking about taglines, how did you come up with it? I have to ask. <laughs> um, I, I joined a BNI group early on and um, had to have one. So um, I was just talking to, I think I was talking to the home inspector in my group and he was telling me what his was and how many different iterations he went through. And I just kind of, I don't know, it popped into my head. He, he cracked up laughing and th that was that. So it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, as far as marketing, is there kind of one, since I know it's been mostly Facebook and really relationship marketing and networking, um, it, would you say that's your favorite then? Or do you have another favorite that you really enjoy when it comes to marketing for the business? I think networking is really important. Um, I do belong to some networking, local networking groups. I don't belong to a BNI anymore. Um, just because I don't like the idea that you have to refer the people in your group. What if you have a bad experience with that with somebody in that group? I really, I don't want to be forced to refer anybody that I don't personally, I wouldn't personally hang my hat, my brand on. Um, just because you're in my group doesn't mean I'm going to refer you. I need to know you. I need to like you. I need to trust you. And preferably I need to have worked with you. Um, so I do love networking. I love um, networking groups, but I like more of an open concept where you're not required to push those referrals. Um, so I like Chamber of Commerce. I like some of the women's groups. We have quite a few women's groups here in the Houston area. I mean, tons of them. And um, so I belong to a number of those. Wonderful. And that's my favorite because I like people. So I love going to the meetings. I love getting to, new, to meet new people. I love having lunch with my, with my friends. And that's the best part about this is if you network correctly, you build a whole new group of friends and most of them are also business owners. And like they say in business, you grow, you surround yourself by people that are bigger and better than you so that you can achieve bigger and better. As, as my business has grown, so has my friends group. And it's grown with people who are entrepreneurs as well. So it's really helped me become a better business owner. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. So yeah. that's a, that's a really, I have a great idea for our homework later. So I'm going to hold on that and pass it to Megan for some finances for a little bit. Thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I love that this is relatively new for you. I love that this is something that you're, you're really building, um, out of like, sounds like passion and necessity. Um, so I have a couple of options for what we can talk about today. Um, we just got back from a convention where we learned a lot about pricing. So I thought if you were open to it, we could talk about how you decided pricing structure. Like, how did you go about that? Like research? And it sounds like you're very engaged in your industry community. How did you figure out what would be appropriate pricing for you? We could talk about goal setting. One of the things I love about pest control is that you are recurring service. So your goal setting is very different than my window cleaning goal setting, where it's kind of a one-off job, even though I'd like to fix that, right? But one customer for you, the value of that one customer actually factors out a lot further because they're heavier because it's recurring service. So we could talk about that. Um, and then the third thing is we had a talk on Sunday that we did and somebody asked this question and it was, how do you work with your spouse to make the jump into self-employment? And since that's a really recent thing that you did, and it often has to do with money, like, you know, having savings or just, you know, being really great. Like we could talk about that one too. So I'm gonna let you choose of those three topics. As a reminder, we had pricing, we had recurring service, and we had um, making the jump to self-employment. Uh, so we can talk about any of those three that you'd like. Okay, well, let's talk about recurring service. Um, awesome, I love it. 
For me, my um, my end goal, I used my 401ks to start the company. My 401k. My husband kept his. Um, I used my 401k as the base to start the company. So my end goal with the company is to have something I can sell because that's my retirement plan. So I did research on the business and what the saleability is before I ever started the company. And I know approximately what dollar amount of reoccurring revenue and how long that reoccurring revenue has to be with me in order to make it sellable and then what that value is. So in, in on average, for it to be something that they assume will transfer in a sale, you have to have had that reoccurring revenue for more than two years. So they don't count any client that's under two years old as reoccurring revenue. So you have to be established, you have to know, and you have to keep them. Um, and you have to have some kind of agreement. Nobody wants a contract, so we don't call it a contract. We call it an agreement. It's I'm not going to go after you if you move. I'm not going to go after you if you cancel. But I do have an agreement. That agreement is you're going to pay this amount, this often, and this is exactly what's covered, and this is specifically what's not covered. It does a number of things. It keeps you, it protects you. So, you know, I'm not covering wood destroying insects like termites in your general pest control. So if I've been doing your pest control for five years and all of a sudden you decide to remodel and you take down a wall and there's termite damage, you can't come after me. You signed that you know better. So mm -hmm. I explain that to people when I get them to sign up for that reoccurring revenue that for that agreement. This is not a contract. This just lays out specifically what's covered to protect you and me. Yeah. And more people are willing to sign it that way. But it's something in writing that you can take to a bank and go, look, I have all these signed up customers and I need a loan. Based yeah. on this potential revenue, it just it makes your business more. It looks more sound on paper. Well, it's more than just a name list, right? Mm -hmm. In most sales, you're selling Goodwill, which is really just a list of customers. And right. you've, made it, you've, you've made it more than that, more robust than a list of customers. You're including, these are the agreements and this is the defined dollar amount that I can see from that. that that's wonderful. Are you um, following any books on this? Are you like a John Warlow fan? Are you built to last, built to sell? Um, is this self-taught from the industry? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, this is like Stephen Covey to the extreme, like begin with the end of the mind and the end in mind is this is Lisa's retirement plan and it cannot fail because mm -hmm. she would like to retire. Right. I love that. Um, and I think that regardless of what industry you're in as listeners, that's something to think about. We heard this week at the huge, we were at the huge convention last week mm -hmm. and Brandon Mom was talking about treating your business like an asset, right? And trying to figure out what is your ROI on that asset. And I feel like Lisa, you're doing that like probably on an annual basis. You're like, well, I put in this much and how much has it grown, right? Um, right. So, well, um, and I think that I, I'm not actually following anybody specific on this. I think that part of where my um, industry knowledge came from this is because I, uh, Working for one of the big companies, I, as part of my job when I was in training to become a branch manager, um, I actually worked for a mergers and acquisitions team for a while. Mm. So they, I kind of know what they're willing to pay and, um, and what they look for when they buy a small company. And I also know what they expect. And they expect to lose 50% of the clients within the first year. Wow. Wow. So the more that you have on the books the more, the less that hurts your dollar value, because when they expect to lose 50% of your clients, 
if you're only selling a hundred thousand dollars, your business is only worth 50 K. Yeah. Wow. So I you got to really think that through in the long run. And then I did further research. I have surrounded myself with very strong female entrepreneurs and business people. I'm very big on growing female businesses. My second business is the women in pest control, which we, actually do an annual conference and we give out business grants to women who are looking to start their own business. Um, so I'm very big on women power. So I've surrounded myself with some very powerful female attorneys, business coaches, um, business mentors, and I've asked their opinion, you know, what do you think? So I haven't read so much as I've actually just used mentors. And um, the only book that I 100% advocate a thousand times over is profit first because if you're not paying yourself, it's not worth being in business. I'm a profit. <laughs> I'm a profit first professional. So I love all of the profit first systems. Um, so let's talk a little bit. I feel like we'd be doing a disservice if we moved on from here without talking about money. So if your intention is to sell and if your intention is to go through that process, we have to talk about the role of numbers and keeping good numbers and having like numbers that somebody else can see value in. So do you have any systems in place that you've set up to make sure that when you do go to the bank or when you do go to a potential buyer, you, you know what you're going to get out of it? The first thing is to have a really good bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. I mean, without a doubt, I should be able to call my bookkeeper and say, what, what are my numbers? Because that's not my strong point. If it was my strong point, I wouldn't have to hire somebody. I don't do numbers. I, and I'm actually slightly dyslexic. And it's the slant that that does me in. So nine, sevens, twos are really hard for me. And I mix them up. I can't do my own numbers. I had to hire a bookkeeper right away. Um but I can call her and say, where am I at? <laughs> and, and she knows my goals too. She's one of the strong female entrepreneurs I was talking about. She owns a small CPA and accounting firm. And um, and I can call her and I can say, where am I at? And she can help me out. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, is to set really strong goals. I have a business coach and she helps teach me how to break my goals down. So, okay, if you want to do... more this year than you did last year. Okay, so that's how much each month. But don't base that, just spread it over 12 months. Look at last month, look at last year, and what was your slow month and what was your high month and what's the difference in percentage? Now do specific goals for the month. If you know that you're always slow in December and you're always busy in August, which is a pest control thing, um, then your goal in August should be higher than your goal in December. Don't set goals in January that are gonna just, just, you're going to be so feel so defeated if you just take, for example, if I wanted to increase my business by forty eight thousand dollars, okay, the, I want that much each month. No, because I'm not going to be able to do that in January. I know I'm not going to be able to do that in January. It's just not going to happen. And but I could probably double in August. Mm. So and you, you really have, have to be analyzed by the month, right? And you have recurring revenue, which I feel like we have a lot of maid service listeners out here. Um, who that's kind of a struggle. Like, well, how, you know, if I get that customer in January versus I get them in December, right. How does that factor out over my annual goal for a calendar year? Um, so I love that. Um, so it sounds like having a strong bookkeeper or accounting team, having like not a head in the sand mentality, even though it sounds like you have a lot of 
reasons why you could avoid your numbers, but you're choosing not to. You're facing the hard thing, the scary thing that doesn't maybe come naturally because you understand how important it is in your business. And you found somebody to help you translate that, which I think is amazing. Um, Profit first sounds like that's a great system for you. I hope that that's helped you like with saving for taxes and building a profitable business from the beginning, or at least from when you started profit first, that's amazing. And then the last thing I heard was really strong goal setting, which are probably numbers oriented, Um, and that's, that's amazing. So that was super helpful, Lisa. I love that you began with the end of mind. I love that you were treating this like a true asset, which is so rare with business owners. Um, and we're going to pass you to Michelle, who's going to talk to you about systems. And she's going to talk to you about how this all keeps running smoothly for you and your family and your business. Um, pest control is really all about prevention, right? You're in the game of prevention. So in terms of systems, is there anything out there in your business, whether it be communication or quality control or feedback from the techs in the field that helps you prevent bad things from happening, right? Like what is it that's the secret sauce of your company that helps you prevent those stumbles that other people might be coming up against? Um, I think the secret sauce is switching up the game. So Most companies do quarterly service for residential. I don't. I do every other month. Um, Prevention is the name of the game. And if you're going quarterly, most of our products nowadays are so safe um, for your people, for for kids and your pets and everything else. They're made to last up to 90 days. Not all products. There are products that last longer. But they're really, really, um, the ones that I prefer to use because I do consider them safer and the environment and safety is really important to me. Um, they're, they're made to last up to 90 days. I'm in Houston. We have rain and heat and humidity and nastiness. They don't make it 90 days, but mm-hmm. most of my competitors are out here still offering quarterly service as the regular maintenance. I even have one competitor that does an annual service. I, I don't even get it. How oh. I, I have no idea how that works. Um, <laughs> so I only offer what works. Um, and then I have my, uh, technicians trained to be inspectors. They're not just technicians, they're inspectors. Every time they go out, they are looking for certain things. They're looking for conducive conditions. They're looking for um, the trees touching the house. They're looking for overgrown vines on the home. They're looking for standing water. We have found broken pipes. We have found um, cracks in foundations. We have found things that have saved homeowners lots of money by not letting these problems persist because it's part of our inspection process. If we're inspecting and we're telling you up front, hey, we see this and that's a conducive condition. We'd love to get you to, we'd love to get your help to control your bugs. Controlling bugs is not just about applying product. It is very much about working together as a team with the homeowner or with the business owner because we do do commercial work as well and making sure that we fix the problems that draw the bugs in. Wow. Okay. So for that inspection, is it a paper inspection? Is it digital? For those who are listening and want to know your super ninja tricks, what does that look like in the field? Um, in the field, it looks like the, the technicians have a checklist of things that they're supposed to be looking for when they're out there. Um, they don't necessarily give that checklist to the client. They only do, and this is my rule, mm-hmm. two recommendations per service. Mm-hmm. I used to work for a company that in order to CYA, they would list out everything that was wrong mostly in restaurants because restaurants can be tend to be very dirty and it's hard to control roaches in an environment with a lot of grease. So, Oh, every place you see the grease, every place you see the dirt, every place you see standing water, list it, list it, list it, list it because we're CYA. Sure. Yeah. I don't believe in that because then you get a list this long of recommendations 
<laughs> and everybody's going to look at it and go, whatever. Yeah. Just give <laughs> give up. So we give two recommendations at every service. So we take that checklist and there might be 40 things on it that they need to fix. We take the two biggest issues and we list them that time. Hmm. It gives them two reasonable action steps to fix. It's not overwhelm yeah. and it helps with their customer. Next time, if they fixed it, we say, thank you so much for addressing that. This week, this month, we'd really love for you to look at blah, blah, blah. Love it. Love it. It really helps keep the customers um, involved in their own pest control. And it helps them feel like um, we're, we're doing, we're going above and beyond. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. You dropped a little nugget in there about training. Tell us what your system is for training. Is it in person? Is it video? Is it, is it text? How do you train your texts? Well, in the state, we're required to do 20 hours of classroom and 40 hours of OJT. Um, so the 20 hours of classroom, you can get through most of the, um, distributors and you know, product distributors in the area have online classes that you can do. So those are the, they're computer based, um, with a test involved at the end. So we did those, but then I don't do 40 hours of OJT. I do two months wow. of ride along with me and my husband. Uh, my husband rode along with me for three months before he, before I let him go. And then my technicians ride along with either myself or my husband for a solid 60 days. And the reason why we do that is because I can't possibly remember everything there is to teach somebody out in the field. But if they're with me for two solid months, they've met every one of my clients because we have the other month's service. So now that's going to change. The more technicians we have, they're not going to meet them all. But in theory, they've done a complete route of everybody that you'll see in two months. And so hopefully they've run into every conceivable situation, not all of them, but they'll run into about 90% of the conceivable situations so you can address them as they happen. It just makes the training more thorough. Now it's expensive. I'm not going to lie. That's costly. Um, so you have to build your routes up to a certain point and then know, okay, now it's time. I have to hire. So for me, when I wind up running half a route, it is time to hire because I shouldn't be running a route at all. But when my technicians get really, really full, then they start, we start slowly pouring stuff on me. And when I'm at about half a route, then we hire train that person rides with me for my route and with my husband for portion of his route. And then we can let them go and give them my stuff, half of my husband's stuff. Mm. And then we start building it. That gives him a full route. We start building my husband again, and then we start building me again. Wow. It's a great system for scaling. It's so smart. And it's a perfect segue into people. So Martha's going to take you from here. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Lisa. So Lisa, from things you've said, the things you have on your website, it's very clear that you understand that investing in your employees takes care of your customers. And um, I mean, you even have that on your website. I had two missions. One was to improve people's lives by providing clean homes because I knew how much stress relief I had walking into a clean home. But my equally important mission was providing a really great place to work. But, and I still believe in that now. But my approach is so different from when I started. In the beginning, I thought providing a great place to work meant 
bending over backwards, being super lenient, just, you know, I mean, I basically, I have to say it, internet friendly way. I <laughs> we've been together in person too long. Over function for your place. I I Maybe. just got walked all over. Um and and so it wasn't it wasn't a good environment with that in mind. So tell me when you started, like what have you learned along the way when you're working with your employees? Did you make any mistakes in the beginning? I did. Um, I think I had an advantage that I was in this industry as a manager prior to starting. So I had a number of employees and I got to make my mistakes there. <laughs> um, when I worked, I used to run a multifamily division and I had 13 guys working for me and they called me mom. Oh. Yeah, no, uh, no, not a good idea. I'm not here to fix all your problems. I'm not here to listen to all your problems. I, I do want to understand what's going on in your life. I do want to know if you're having issues so that I can I can be prepared for how that's going to affect your job. But I'm not your mom and I'm not here to fix it. <laughs> um, so when I started this, uh, this first off, it's more family oriented. It's me, my husband, my daughter and one technician so far. We're about ready to hire our next full time technician. So we're still very, very small. But with my technician, I am very adamant that um, there are rules, there are times, there are schedules, and you do have to be here on time. I, I don't, I'm not a, a jerk. I guess you can't say the other word. I'm not a jerk about it, um, but I do, I have set very clear expectations. I have a very detailed um, employee handbook. I do have a way of writing up my employees, um, and I do notate anything. Um, and put it in the file because having worked for a big company and now having a small company where unemployment insurance really can bite you in the butt, mm-hmm. I know how important it is to document everything. So I document everything. Um, but I tell them about it too. So I have an employee, com- I have a client complaint about my technician. I go to my technician with the complaint and I tell them, look, this is what the employees, this is what the client said. I'd like your side. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and at first, at first, it's like in everybody's nature to get defensive. Well, that didn't happen. You know, I didn't. I didn't say it did. I, I've, I always believe my my employees first. I just want to hear your side of the story. I have your back on this. Yeah. I just want to know what your thought is. Why this client might have said that, mm-hmm. and then I just make a note of it and I stick it in their file. It is not. I don't have to write them up for that. I need to know what's happening because if it happens again, I'm going to need to address it. But the first time we're just having a discussion. Um, and then it can, what, I, what I found is a lot of times that leads to processes that I need to improve on as a manager. I didn't realize that this would lead to this because you can't possibly know everything up front. So for example, I had a, a client um, wanted, had cameras everywhere and swore to God that my technician had never been there. Well, we have these traps and you have to change the date on them. Uh-huh. He had been there. I went and looked, <laughs> the dates were changed. Um, there's no way that that could have magically happened by itself. A technician had to unlock something and change it. 
So I could prove to the client, but that also made me aware that we can't just walk into the client's backyard and fix their traps. We have to take the time to knock on the door and let them know we're there. Even though it is an outside service, we set it up that way. We did everything that way. And we told them we're just going to come by and take care of it every month. No, you still have to knock on the door because you have to, because they have cameras, but it just turns out that the path that the technician took, he was never on a camera. And how do you know until you know? So now our, our, we changed our thing. And I told him, I said, hey, thanks, thanks a lot for, for being on top of that, for, do, for changing the, the dates on the things, for not missing that, because that helped me prove to the, to the client that you were there. And now we've saved that client. And I think going forward, what, here's a policy change we need to make. Make sure you always knock on the door. So he felt empowered um, because I had his back and it led to a, pol a policy change that everybody going forward is going to have to do. Nice. Nice. So, <clears throat> all right. So good. That's, That's so great. good. That's great. I, we, as always, we could go on forever <laughs> and ever, <laughs> but I think uh, people got the message that, uh, well, I, it's going to be translated into the homework. So I won't say more. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think it's time for some homework. So um, homework is designed to give you four to five pieces this week. And we just ask that you choose one. It can be very overwhelming. It's a lot that we're going to put in front of you. We do have an accountability group that you can join in order to get advice and help with the pieces of homework that we are about to give. And Lisa, you're more than welcome. If you would like to give a piece of homework, we'll kind of save you for the end. So that way you can get a feel for how we go about it. Um, but for marketing homework, I would like you guys to at least join one local Facebook group, whether you're a woman in business and you can join a mom's group, whether you are um, a male in business and there, there could be a buy, sell trade group that you could join. I've noticed men do very well in those just because you can give advice on the different things that are selling. If you may be an expert on those. Um, and then from there also be able to spark up communication about how, you know, these things. Um, so that's one I know my husband does very well in, but just join a group and start engaging. I don't want you pushing your product. I don't want you pushing what your business is and what services you provide. Just join, start engaging, and then from there advising. If you do see the opportunity, like Lisa said, when searching for what you offer in your business, just yield that advice and it can grow from there. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, that's great. I I think I might do that. <laughs> I'm going to do Tay's homework this week. Um, okay. So reminder, I'm going to give finance homework. So if this sounds like this is where you need to put your time and energy in your business this week, then you're going to do the finance homework and ignore the marketing homework, right? Or if the system's homework. So just choose one area, just one, not all of them. And we want you to execute. That way you can make some actual differences in your business. Okay. So for finance homework, I'm going to say that we're getting kind of towards the end of the year. It was fun because we have not been together um, to do strategic planning in at least six months. So we kind of sat down and we planned out together our next 12 months. And we set some goals for ourselves as Fight Club and we set our budget. We updated our budget. We haven't done that in a while, mm -hmm. right? And we actually legitimately had the budget party that I always talk about. We did it. There were maybe some drinks involved. I'm <laughs> not going to say for sure. Um, so my challenge to you is to take a page from Lisa's book and from Fight Club's book and look at your goals. 
it's August. It's not too late to make 2021 what you want it to be. It's not too late to turn around that story for this calendar year. So I'm going to challenge you to take a look at your 2021 goals and see how you're doing. Are you on track? Are you on pace? I love what Lisa said. You can look at September of 2020, which is actually probably a really good month to look at. And you can kind of project and forecast and make plans for September of 2021. What are you Mm going to do that makes it different? Now, the marketer over here will say that's too short-sighted. Like you don't have enough time to really make a big impact in September. So look to October. What did you do in October of 2020? What are you going to do differently in October of 2021? So my challenge for you is review those goals. If you're like listening to this and you're like goals, what goals? I've never set a goal in my life. This is this is the time to start setting some goals. And um, if you need some help with that, I'm going to recommend the 12 week year. This was the Bobby Walker book that he kept shoving down my throat for like years. And I finally read it and my mind blew. So the 12 week year is your book recommendation from me this week. Um, set some financial goals um, so that you can change your financial future. And I'm going to hundred percent piggyback on this because I think that systems and training absolutely have to coincide with your revenue, right? So you need to look at those ups and downs in your yearly uh, budget and understand how long does it take you to train a tech or somebody in your office and look at the finances when you're cash rich, it's the time to hire somebody, right? So you can sustain that training um, and those dollars. So I'm going to have you look at how long does training take in your company and how does it relate to your financial, you know, calendar of the year? Oh, you're going to piggyback too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it is system related. <laughs> so um, we heard a really good example of a potential client complaint that was disproved and because they had a system. and uh, But it wasn't a fail-safe system the way it was in place right then. So, you know, you talked about your client that said you weren't there and then the employee had put the sticker where he had checked that trap. So you were safe that time, but you realize that what if you didn't have to change the sticker? You know, what if you didn't have a trap or whatever? I don't know the pest control business, but you made a system, an employee system that said, We're going to knock on the door every time just so they know that we're here. Um, And that is a system for your employees. It's a training system. So think about your common complaints. Pick one. And then what system could you put in place to prevent that from happening. And I bet you have one. Mm, So that's your homework. That's good. People homework. Lisa, do you want to offer any homework for our listeners this week? Um, I think that one of the great things to do is to think about what you're going to do for Christmas for your employees. Um, And it's not too late. Now is the time to save money for that. Put something aside. Um, You know, my grandmother used to have an envelope. This was my Christmas money. This is my birthday money. This is the, this. Um, that's kind of what profit first is. You have the accounts through your envelopes. Um, do a little, do a little side thing and put some money away and figure out what you're going to do for your client, for your um, employees for Christmas. And um, and money is not always a motivator. What motivates them? If you don't know what it motivates your employees, then you can't keep them happy. So figure out what motivates them. Spend a little bit of time with them. 
um, and make a plan for Christmas. Lisa, we always end with a quote. Wait, 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 Go wait, ahead. Wait. Sorry. One more. No, oh. we got a whole thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Where do we find you, Lisa? And tell us a little bit more about the women in pest control. I want to hear a tiny bit about that. Okay, so Women in Pest Control is a group we started on Facebook for women to t- t- talk about issues that are specific to us in the industry. The industry is very male-dominated, and um, we have a hard time finding things like pants, work pants. Um, we have issues around what, if we're not carrying a purse with us, where do we put our feminine hygiene products while we're in the field? Little stupid things like that that we were very uncomfortable talking asking about in these groups filled with men because you ask the wrong question and everybody wants to tease you and it just was uncomfortable. So we started a group called Women in Pest Control on Facebook and about two years into it, uh, Bob, my friend Bobby Terry, she owns the Bug Lady Pest Control in Austin. She, she came up with the idea and she asked me to help her with it. So we started it and about two years into it, somebody said, oh, we should get together and have coffee. Well, that turned into our first annual conference, which was in 2019. We were supposed to have our second in 2020, but COVID held that off. So we're having our second uh, September 30th and October 1st this year in Houston. Um, Next year, we're hoping to do it in another state for the first time. So we'll see how that goes, depending on COVID. Um, And basically, um, the idea is we do an entire day of training. Um, We have uh, vendors come in who uh, talk to us about their latest and greatest products, innovations in the industry. Um, we have, um, a business coach come in and talk to us about yeehaw, fempreneur, <laughs> um, and how to, you know, build yourself up. And then we have, um, SEO people come in and talk to us. We have human resources people come in and talk to us. Basically, we give a whole day of things that are very specific to women, but we also throw in some training, some technical training as well. So it's a little bit of both. So like half the day of, of technical and half the day of women specific, um, business stuff. Then at the end of the day, we award um, a, uh, hopefully, we're hoping to do two this year, two business grants. And those business grants go out to women who have applied, who have started a business within the last two years or are planning on opening one within the next six months, have the appropriate licensing in their um, state to do so, and are looking for help. So they get a dollar amount, plus they get some products, and then they get mentoring shit from myself and Bobby for a year. Oh, wow. That's so good. Well, a reminder, this week's episode was brought to you by the 8020 show hosted by Sid Graff, the podcast that helps you get bigger results from smarter, smaller efforts, and we can do less and earn more. And and our quote of the week, we always end with a quote, Lisa. So today's quote is by Don McPherson. And he says, true prevention is not waiting for bad things to happen. It's preventing things from happening in the first place. And I think that goes really well with what we talked about today. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciated spending some time with you and you have a lot to share. So we're grateful. Thank Go you. Fight. Go fight. Bye. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see everybody Thank next you. week, Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Yep. Sounds good. See you later. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.